Welcome to Monsters Among Us. I am your guide, Derek Hayes. Well, we meet again. And always under such terrifying circumstances. No matter. I wouldn't want it any other way. Thank you for tuning in to yet another fear-inducing installment. I have a great little program slated for you. Plump full of stories I know you're going to want to hear. So let's not waste one more moment. Here to kick us off is Monica from the beautiful state of California. Hi Derek, my name is Monica and I'm from California. This takes place a few years ago, probably around 2016 or 17. I was working like a courier job and I was out on route one day It was probably late spring, early summer, because the weather was warm and sunny, but I wasn't super hot and sweaty. I was in like a residential neighborhood, and I was getting out of my car to deliver a package to a house. And as I'm walking up the sidewalk, I hear in my right ear something absolutely screech directly in my ear. It was so loud that it hurt my ears and kind of like almost knocked me sideways. I looked around and not only was there no other person, but there was like not even any other cars. It was just an empty street, a normal neighborhood, middle of the day. As far as the sound goes, I would describe it as somewhere between like tires screeching Nails on a chalkboard and a banshee shriek. have absolutely no explanation for it. I am not prone to auditory hallucinations. Yeah, that's it. Hope somebody else maybe has an answer. (laughs) Have a good night, Derek. Thank you, Monica. We're certainly no strangers to spooky sounds in the dark here at Monsters Among Us. We've explored all sorts of avenues, theories, and listened to nearly every animal in North America scream into the night via obscure YouTube clips. And given all that, you'd think I'd run out of known critters to blame. Well, if you thought that, you'd be wrong. Based on the description of what Monica experienced, I may have found a logical explanation for what screamed at Monica that evening. Now, first off, I need to mention that there are several medical issues that could cause this phenomena. But given that Monica didn't mention any of them as a factor, I'll just move on to the critter I think could have been responsible. A small, nocturnal predatory bird known as the Screech Owl. Now, these efficient little killers got their nickname due to the screeching sounds that they emit. Sounds similar to these courtesy of the Jollyville Screech Owl House over at YouTube. Now the birds can be found in California and these little monsters aren't all that big. Seven to ten inches tall and only up to about a two-foot wingspan and with specially adapted feathers that allow it to fly silently through the night. So it's possible that Monica didn't see or hear one of these bad boys as it zipped over her head, belting out its trademark shriek. Or should I say screech? 
Now, of course, I'm not saying that's what happened, but I am saying that that could have happened. But of course, this encounter did take place in the state of California. The same place where these sounds were captured. Now, of course, those were the Sierra sounds recorded by Ron Moorhead and Al Berry in the Sierra Mountains of California back in the 1970s. But, given the fact that our caller experienced this oddity in what sounds like a residential area, maybe something a little more ghostly might explain the origins of this nightmarish sound, as opposed to a eight or nine foot tall hairy giant. Regardless, whatever you heard that evening, Monica, we truly thank you for sharing it with us. And be sure to let us know if it ever comes back. Now, let's say you have a story you think would be perfect for this program. Well, here's what you do. Call our toll-free hotline, toll-free in the U.S. at least, at 1-888-608-NIGHT. That's 1-888-608-6444. Or if you're out of the country, record the message on your phone and shoot me an email at monstersamonguspodcast at gmail.com. Now, this next one is almost as comical as it is creepy, but I'll let you make that distinction. Corey from Montana, welcome to the program. Hey, Derek, this is Corey from Montana. So, this happened to me just tonight. There's a, there's a fair in town, the Montana Fair, and I'd use the restroom, so I walked over, and there's a section where they had porta-potties because they're doing construction. And there's two porta-potties, they're handicap-accessible, and the left line, there's like 12 people. And so I scoot over to the right line where there's three little kids in front of me and one person in the outhouse already. So I'm standing there and, you know, I figured I got the shorter line. I'll, I'll get there pretty soon. And uh, the one male kid comes out of the porta potty and the two girls got bored and just jumped out of line, little girls. And then the boy in front of me went to the porta potty locked the door went to the it was a sliding lock too not one of the rotary locks which may or may not be an important point of the story so i'm standing there and you know uh, kids taken i mean uh, kid was maybe five foot tall four and a half foot tall maybe a fourth or fifth or sixth grade or something like that i would say maybe a really tan white kid not really sure i wasn't paying attention that much i mean i had to go to the bathroom so i'm standing there and I just should have gotten the other line because eight people go through the other outhouse, kids and parents and all sorts of stuff, and I'm just sitting there like, man, I picked the wrong one. So I I waited for, I don't know, five, seven minutes, and I gave a little knock on the door, you know, like, hurry up. Didn't hear anything, didn't see anything, and unusual, but there was like a four-inch gap at the bottom of the door, maybe because it was a handicap one, I don't know, for the wheelchair. So, you know, the line next to me has gone through... 30 plus people and I'm the only one standing there in front of this outhouse and people are looking at me and they're like is there someone in there I'm like the the door is locked I was like I watched the kid go in there like it's locked he's just waiting he's whatever a little kid no big deal so I'm waiting and I'm waiting patiently and we're 10 15 minutes at this point you know I've banged on it and asked if he was okay and didn't really hear nothing and uh, this mom you know with her kids kind of went over and and peeked in through the holes and asked if he was okay and she thought she heard something but wasn't sure and then his grandma came out started banging on it like come on you know you get out of there are you okay do you need help and you know i was just just taking it in stride then, you know the other people offered me to go on the other one i'm like no it's fine i'll just wait for the kid it's fine so then after a while we're like uh, is the kid okay where's the parent like did he have a seizure did he fall in what's the deal because we're going on 20 minutes now so I get online and I called the park security. I was like, hey, you know, we got a kid stuck in a porta potty. We don't really know what the deal is. And so they said they'd get someone over there. And everybody's looking at me like, they're, they're, we, we we kneeled down and kind of looked under the door and didn't see any feet. And we're like, well, that's weird. I mean, it was a smaller kid, but you'd think you'd see some feet dangling. And, you know, we kind of had enough and we were worried at that point. We were like, you know, did something happen to this kid? Did he fall in? Is he okay? We don't know. We don't even know where the parent was or the parent is. 
so you know, I'm pretty big size, six foot two dude, and so I put my foot on it and I just yanked the door open, bust the lock wide open. There's nothing in this porta potty. You know, we three of us looked down the hole. There's nothing there. It was full, and it, it wasn't the kind of lock that could accidentally lock. Period. There's no way. It, it was a four inch slide to lock the lock so it showed red with a like a no smoking sign you know a circle with a line through it and you had to slide that over to green to show that it was open so there's no way that it could accidentally like slam the door and slam shut there's just absolutely no way i I, on top of the fact that i saw a little boy go into the porta potty that i was patiently waiting for you know i was looking for a trap door. I was looking for a back door. Did someone abduct the kid? It was the really kid at all. Like I know I saw a kid go. I, I don't know. I don't know. No one around me knows, and I didn't want to deal with it any further than that. So I just left. I was like, I don't know. I'll swear to the day I die, I watched a kid go in there. And I don't know if it was a ghost kid. I don't know if the kid disappeared. I, I, I don't know what to make of it. But I'm sure not going to forget it anytime soon. Thanks. And I heard he's still in there to this day. Are we sure he didn't fall in? (laughs) Thanks, Corey. Now, out of morbid curiosity, I did do some poking around, just to see if any children have come up missing from the Montana Fair in recent years. And thankfully, I didn't find anything. So perhaps this is just one of those weird cases. Something almost benign, but just strange enough to leave us scratching our heads. Thanks again, Corey, for submitting the entry. Okay, so this next one takes us back to sunny California, where Winona had a run-in with a shadowy entity she would like to share with us. Hi, Derek. My name is Winona. I'm calling from Ventura County, California, and I've got a story for you that uh, I would really like your input on. You've talked about the shadow people and like Hat Man before, and through this podcast, I've now heard stories about the Glimmer Man, and I have a story that sort of falls under both categories, but it's still really hard to explain what I saw. So here it goes. Uh, This was back when I was very young. I was four or five years old. I was living with my family in the San Fernando Valley area at the time, and it was somewhere between like 8 and 10 o'clock at night. I was supposed to be asleep, but um, I was pretty restless. I could hear my parents in the living room watching what must have been a pretty funny movie because every now and then they'd start laughing, and I was just trying really hard to listen in and um, hear what they were watching and kind of participate a little bit. But as I was laying there and very much not asleep, I saw somebody peek into my room. And at first I thought it was my mom and she was just checking in on me, seeing if I was asleep yet. And I thought that she was going to be upset that I was still awake at such a late time for a five-year-old. And so I look over and it was not my mom. It was this very dark, just blacker than you've ever seen black figure that was in the shape of a woman that had bright red eyes and this very thick outline on it that looked like static. So just this whole static outline surrounding every part of its body, but then the inside was just this dark, dark black red eyes. And then the scariest part to me, as if it could get scarier, was um, looking at her head, there were these writhing strands, these thick writhing strands also surrounded in the static outline of hair that were just constantly wiggling and shaking. And so to me, like, you know, I was just a little kid. I thought I was looking at Medusa. So I panicked and I was thinking, I need to look away. She's going to turn me to stone. Like, uh, I'm going to die. And I didn't know what to do. I was just paralyzed and I couldn't move. And we were just staring at each other. So it would seem like forever. And then my parents, they started laughing so loudly like something very funny must have happened because they laughed louder than they had laughed previously and this thing reacts it looks down the hallway towards where our living room would have been and like looks around kind of seeing if somebody's coming that way turns back at me and quickly just dashes off and 
as it runs away, it runs towards my parents' room and my baby sister, who might have been two at the time. Shortly after it runs towards their room, I hear her start crying, and that was very validating. And so then I start crying, and then my parents, they inevitably get up and are asking what happened, and I didn't know what to say other than I saw Medusa and she scared me. Medusa was in my room. And to this day, I don't remember too, too much from when I was a little kid, like that whole five and younger age. Some of my memories are pretty fuzzy, but this is so distinct and it has stuck with me. And I always wonder what was that? Because it's not quite a shadow person. I've never heard of anybody else seeing this Medusa-like shadow woman. And yeah, I was just really curious what you thought and what the listeners think it might be and if anybody else has seen anything similar so that's my story and thank you so much for your podcast it's been keeping me company as i prepare for a big move to the bay area and it's also just been great hearing other people's stories and learning new things like the glimmer man thanks bye thank you winona now i don't know which of you is preparing the taxonomy of these strange shadowy entities but I think we just uncovered a new category. I can't help but think that each time we hear a story about one of these shadow entities, a new wrinkle is introduced. And this time, it's a Medusa-like silhouette. What the hell is that? Frightening. That's what it is. Thanks again, Monica, for taking the time to submit it. Now, if you haven't yet, what are you waiting for? Run, don't walk to your phone, tablet, or computer and visit MonstersAmongUsPodcast.com. Not only are there some cool resources over there, courtesy of the show notes, but there you can also visit our merchandise store. Pick up a hat, t-shirt, tote, patch, bag, pin, koozie, poster, or a lot, lot more. Then show the world who you think is the spookiest. Again, that's monstersamonguspodcast.com forward slash shop. Or just click that shop tab. And a huge thanks to everyone out there rocking the Monsters Among Us gear. So next up, we make our way to the enchanting lands of Utah. Kenzie, please tell us what you saw. Hi, Derek. My name is Kenzie. I live in Salt Lake City, Utah. I love your podcast. I found you through Bigfoot Collectors Club, and I'm really glad I did. I listen every week, and I've been trying to catch up on the entire backlog of episodes, and I am really enjoying it. So thank you for what you do. I wanted to tell you about something that I saw in Salt Lake City maybe two weeks ago. I looked it up, and the experience that I had took place on September 9th, which was like two-ish weeks ago. In downtown Salt Lake City, I was up on top of one of the taller buildings downtown, having a grill out with a couple of friends. And it was a super duper clear night, beautiful day, like perfect weather pretty much. Sort of in between sunset and twilight, like not really dark enough for shooting stars, but too light for stars to really show up yet at all kind of kind of thing. And I was sitting up there talking with a couple of friends and I was chatting with a friend of mine who was directly in front of me. And in the sky right above him, I saw this streak of color all of a sudden. It was like a gold sort of starburst with red on the outside of it. And it streaked across like going from west to east in the sky from what I could tell anyways. And it was like one, two, gone. It was super duper quick. Like by the time I realized it was happening and pointed and my friend turned around, it had already passed. It was really quick flash of color and light, but way too early in the evening for like shooting stars. It definitely wasn't a plane. And it felt really, really close. Like maybe... I don't know, a couple of hundred feet above us and was super interesting. And I, I mean, you could ask any of the people who were there. I kept bringing it up all night long. Like, 
oh my gosh, I wish you guys would have seen that. That was so crazy. And I've been a big fan of like paranormal stuff for a really long time. And this is the first real sighting that I've had. And I had tried to go back and look up if there had been like meteors that night or if other people had seen something. And I did pick up on a couple of like, oh, did you see that UFO over Salt Lake today? Blah, 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 kind of stuff on Instagram from a few friends that night. But that's about it. I didn't really find anything from like news outlets or anywhere that's a little more reputable. But anyways, again, thank you for the podcast. I really enjoy listening and I hope you have a good night. Thanks. Thanks for calling, Kenzie. A big shout out to Bryce, Michael and Riley over at Bigfoot Collectors Club. If you haven't yet checked out their program, I really think you should. And as always, if you do, tell them that I sent you. It makes me look good. And trust me when I say, I can use all the help in that department I can get. Anyway, that's wild stuff, Kenzie. Utah has recently become somewhat of a hotspot for the paranormal, with the rise and fame of the Skinwalker Ranch, all those secrets being leaked from Dugway Proving Grounds, or as some call it, Area 52. And of course, with the recent Sasquatch flaps in places like Provo. Utah is also known for other aerial anomalies. It seems rocket launches, Starlink, and space debris, like the following, really stand out against a darkened Utah sky. This is kind of strange. Last night, social media just exploded with pictures and videos of a mysterious light streaking over the Utah skies. Maybe you saw it. It can be seen all across the western United States. Take a look. Many thought maybe it was a meteor shower that was actually happening, or maybe something out of a sci-fi movie. Viewers flooded our newsroom with calls and dozens sent us video. This is how Aaron Ruffalo and his family reacted. That's coming from space. That, that, that's, like, that's like rocket debris or some kind of... That's scary. Oh, that is sweet. <laughs> Just depends, right? Whether you like these things or not. The guy had it right. Turns out, according to Utah's NASA ambassador, the fireball was just parts of a Chinese rocket that launched last month. So now the debris is re-entering the atmosphere and it lit up the sky. It's pretty common. Now that clip property of KSTU, Fox 13 out of Salt Lake. So who knows, Kenzie? In those parts, it literally could have been anything. But we do love that you reported whatever it was. Thanks again for sending that one in. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Are you experiencing a lack in motivation? Are you feeling helpless, trapped, detached, fatigued, or even worse? These are symptoms of burnout, and you could be suffering and not even know about it. Now, we normally associate burnout with our jobs, our work, But that's not the only cause. Any of our everyday roles in life can lead us to feeling burned out. Sometimes I myself have a hard time taking a break, whether it's from work or projects around the cabin. But I found that my production and creativity increase after I started forcing myself to take breaks. So maybe you'll benefit as well. BetterHelp Online Therapy wants to remind you to prioritize yourself talking with someone can help you figure out what's causing stress in your life. Personally, therapy has given me the tools I need to deal with my stress and anxiety in a healthier way, so I can be the best version of myself. Now, BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Now, this podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and Monsters Among Us listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com forward slash Monsters Among Us. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash Monsters Among Us for 10% off your first month. As always, supporting our sponsors supports the show. So thank you for listening. And back to the stuff that keeps you up at night. 
Now this next entry comes to us from near my boyhood home. Just a couple hours to be exact. And after hearing what Tess experienced, maybe I should be worried about going back. Please welcome Tess from the state of Pennsylvania. Hello everyone, this is Tess calling from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania again. I just subscribed to Patreon and I've been binge listening for a couple days now, so I just wanted to share this with you guys. When was this? This is probably like two, three years ago. I decided that I wanted to go take a walk in the woods by my father's house. So I took a couple books, I took my binder, and I was definitely smoking the devil's lettuce. So I took some of that as well. Whenever I'm in the woods by myself, I try to make jokes just because I do get a little jumpy if no one else is there with me. So I remember sitting there at the homemade fire pit all the teenagers would go to at night. And I'm reading my book and I'm smoking. And me going off on a tantrum, I just said out loud, like, hey, if there's a Bigfoot in these woods, just know that I'm a friend. I believe in you. I don't have any beef jerky, but like, I, I'll give you a hug. And I kept repeating this because I didn't have any beef jerky. I do believe in Bigfoot. And I was just trying to be a little silly. So then after I'm done, like, messing around and saying all this stuff, I go back to reading my book. Not even five minutes later, I heard three tree knocks. Now, by all means, I do not believe there's a Bigfoot living in the woods by my dad's house. The woods are just way too small for such a huge creature. Like, we have deer and fox and coyotes, but, like, no bears. That doesn't mean that I did not get scared. I packed my bags as fast as possible, dumped out the water, and I just booked it out of the woods. I didn't think it was a Bigfoot, but the thought of someone listening to my conversation and being that close to me to mess with me scared me more than a Bigfoot would. I hope you guys enjoy that fun little story because I look back to it and I still laugh my ass off even though how scared I got. <laughs> Alrighty. Thank you guys. Enjoy the rest of your day. Bye. Thank you, Tess, for sharing the entry. You know, it's easy to assume Tess might have been a little paranoid as a byproduct of her recreational activity. And that may have been the case. But given her location, I'm not entirely sure she should rule out the big guy. Anyone looking to find Sasquatch may want to start in western Pennsylvania. An online organization tracking the numbers found 95 sightings in Westmoreland County, according to the Patriot News website. A separate study conducted for the Travel Channel's In Search of Monsters looked at data from the Bigfoot Field Researchers Organization. They found 23,000 sightings reported since the 1950s. The largest number of them happened in Washington, followed by California and Pennsylvania. That one comes on behalf of CBS Local News. And, like Utah, that part of Pennsylvania has really exploded in past decades with reports of paranormal activity. Small Town Monsters film Invasion on Chestnut Ridge covers some of the wild activity reported, including a UFO crash and subsequent government cover-up. So make of all that what you will. Dig into it if you're interested. And thanks again, Tess, for calling in. Now hustling right along, we work our way south to the state of Louisiana. Jack, welcome aboard, sir. Hey, Derek. This is Jack from South Louisiana, and I got a, a couple small stories about a trailer park that I lived in in college, a trailer specifically. And I moved in there, it's probably 2006. 2007, somewhere around there, and moved in there with a buddy of mine and my girlfriend. And it's an old trailer, kind of a rundown trailer park. We were in college, so we didn't care. We had a lot of fun in it. But there was always kind of something weird about it. I mean, it kind of gave you just a, a funny feeling at times, but there, n nothing ever really happened too crazy. You know, we didn't see any apparitions or anything. But there was one time I had a new dog. She was probably less than a year old at the time so she was small 
She's a boxer pit bull mix, and she was really wild at the time. In our back bathroom, me and my girlfriend's bathroom, back of the house, there was a old kind of antique lamp, uh, floor lamp. There was a base, and then the lamp is, you know, five or six feet tall, and then a big heavy top, metal lamp. For whatever reason, we had it in the bathroom. It's college, so, you know, it is what it is. But we were all just hanging out in the living room, and we hear this bunch of racket in the back in our room. And I'm like, what the hell is that? And then the dog comes running into the living room, scared to death, shaking, you know, tail between her legs. And you could tell something weird happened, and it wasn't really like her to, to be scared of anything. And so... I go back there, somehow that floor lamp had been pulled out into the center of the room. It was in the corner, kind of like almost behind the toilet, kind of in the corner. And somehow this floor lamp was just sitting directly in the center of the room. No way a 20 pound dog could have somehow pulled this super top heavy floor lamp into the center of the room. Uh, It's just a really weird thing. And then one other quick thing, my mom was visiting in town. We were sitting on by the front door, smoking a cigarette with the front door open. And my girlfriend was in the back of the trailer taking a shower. And I hear her call out my name. Clear as day, obviously her voice, she yells out my name. And so I look at my mom. She's like, well, go back there and see what she wants. You know, both my mom and I heard it. I go back there and she had no idea what I was talking about. I grilled her on it because I thought she might have been messing with me. Uh, she definitely wasn't, though. And we never figured out what it was. But it was uh, her voice that screamed my name. So, really weird, awesome podcast. Listen to it all the time. Been listening for about a month. And I uh, can't wait to hear more. Thanks. Bye. Jack's entry is just further evidence that it's all about the land. What was there first? What kind of history transpired there? Years, decades, or even centuries before? Tragedy, murders, death, anguish, pain. I think I'm of the mind that all these energies can be stored somehow on a property or a place, only to be slowly released over the years. A release that manifests itself in some of the strange activity that Jack just reported but that's just my opinion. Thank you, Jack, for sharing that entry. Now, Dakota's call covers a subject I'm not a huge believer in, but boy, do I love a good story about it. Here he is, all the way from the state of Oregon. Hey, Derek. My name is Dakota. I'm from Oregon, and I have another story to tell everybody. I've called in a few times before, and most of my experiences have been ghost-related, like paranormal. I guess some of them you could call shadow people and other things like that. But this one is actually about a Ouija board. And I've only really been around those a few times. And the last time, which is the most recent also that I've used one, was about probably 10 years ago. And it was actually my older sister and one of her friends, they convinced each other and me to kind of just see what would happen because we grew up in a really haunted house, my parents' house, where they still live. Anyway, we just thought, we'll see what happens if we, you know, try to contact. So they basically were just asking if anybody was there and normal questions. And it it took a little bit. We all had our fingers on the planchette and I have always been skeptical of a, of a third party when it comes to Ouija boards. Like, I trust my sister because her and I have both experienced a lot of stuff together and also separately, but neither of us will just lie about it because there's no reason to because we've both seen and heard so much that it's there's just no point to lie to each other and we don't, like, try to scare each other or anything like that. And out of nowhere, they asked a question. I think they said, is anybody here? And I mean, I was just along for the ride. I wasn't asking any questions. I told them both, I don't want to do that. I just want to be, I just want to watch and be a witness. But I still did have my hand on the planchette and it went to yes. And then at the time we had a really old boxer. She was probably like 13 
and that's that's all just old for any dog but especially a boxer and she was sleeping in the living room we were like in the kitchen which is open to the living room there's like two entrances to the kitchen from the living room and there there's no doors they're just like doorways and we were actually like in the end that was more of a dining room so there was a table that we were sitting at and my dog was laying like directly parallel to us but in the living room right by the front window and out of nowhere after they asked if anybody was there she stood up and started barking like really really loud and this was probably uh, like 11 o'clock at night and it was just us three there besides the dog and anyway so she started barking and she was staring right out the front window which keep in mind was closed with two layers of curtains so not only would she not be able to see anything out there but she was dead asleep and when i say like she was asleep she was a really old dog like i already said she was like 13 and she was already hard of hearing and sight at the time so she would not have been able to hear anything loud enough to at least not to wake her up and she never would bark like the only time she would bark is if she was playing because my parents Actually, I think we did have our little dog at the time, too. We still, they still have him, too. He's, he's like a chihuahua mix, but he would bug her and she would bark at him just to be like, you know, leave me alone. But she never barked at anybody ever. So that scared me by itself. And the fact that she was standing at attention, just staring at the front window, really freaked me out. And I stopped and I just said, I'm done with this. I'm, I'm going to bed, basically, because, you know, when animals detect stuff, that freaks me out more than almost anything because it's scary enough to know that I've seen things and experienced things, but when my animals also can confirm that, especially an elderly one that is really hard of hearing in sight, it's extra creepy to me. And once they said goodbye, she stopped. And that was enough confirmation. So I just, I noped out of there basically. But that's one story. That's another story that really creeped me out and forever I'm done with Ouija boards. Thanks for letting us call and letting us share our experiences. I appreciate it. Have a good one. Thank you, Dakota. Now, maybe the reason I don't buy into the board is because I've never had a bad experience with one. Well, here's open for next time. Because I think I'd really like to experience what a lot of these callers claim is happening. Until that time, thanks again, Dakota, for submitting the entry. Oh, I almost forgot to mention this, and Sarah would have killed me. Our popular sales event, Dogman Days of Summer, is back in our shop. So from now until we decide it ends, that date is to be determined. Everything in the shop is 20% off. And while I'm at it, a portion of the sales from each poster is donated to the Navajo Water Project to help bring water to those in need, starting with the Navajo Nation. So again, that link is monstersamonguspodcast.com forward slash shop. Or just click the shop tab when you get there. Now with that out of the way, I think it's time to venture back to the beehive state. This time, via Catherine in the state of Washington. Hi Derek, this is Catherine calling from Washington State. This happened back in September when I was on a trip with my boyfriend down in southern Utah, Um, near Moab, the Canyonlands area, specifically the Needle Campground, the Needle District Campground. There's a few districts of Canyonlands, if you're familiar with that area. So we were walking to the bathroom. It was a full moon. The bathroom was probably about 200 feet away from our campsite. And the campsites in that campground are on a little road. So everyone walks on the road to the bathroom, but most people had campers, you know, so they they weren't using the restrooms, just a few people were. So it wasn't a super popular place, but you'd see someone come up every now and then. And our campsite was one of the closer ones to the bathroom. Okay, so we're walking to the bathroom. We get there. The men's comes up first on your left and the women's is a little bit further down on the left in between is like a wash station. So my boyfriend turns off to go to the men's restroom. Right then I see, and I've kind of seen them before that, three figures walking on the road. And I can see them because of the moonlight. We have headlamps on, but we just left them off because 
you've been to Utah, when it's a full moon, you can see everything. I mean, it's really easy to see. So you really just need the headlamp for the bathroom, which is dark. And so I see these three people and I am a very cautious person. So him and I are out in the wilderness a lot. I just like to keep tabs on people around me, what's going on. So I turn on my headlamp to go into the bathroom and I just kind of lightly flash it up just to see these three people to see like if I recognize them. I also was kind of curious about talking to a park ranger. And it was a little bit weird to see three people walking because like I said, you'd see like one person, maybe two, but hardly ever come to the bathroom. And they were walking towards an end of the campground that didn't have very many sites. I think there was like two sites down there. So as I shine my light up, I don't see them anymore. So I brought my light back down really quickly, turned it off, and I look over and I can see them again in the moonlight. And now I'm looking closer and it almost looks like they're wearing the same thing or they they like all three look alike. And they're walking across the road and there's like shadow on the left side of the road where the bathroom is because there's tree cover, but you can see the full road in the moonlight. There's just shadow to the left. And then to the right of the road, from my perspective, is like kind of flatter desert terrain. So you can see out there with no trees. Okay, so I turn my light on again because now I'm kind of creeped out. And I shine it at them. And I know that that's not very good etiquette for in a campground. So I felt kind of bad about that. But I was like a little bit creeped out. And I shine it on them. And I realize I can see them now. But they're all wearing black. Like their faces are covered in black. They're wearing black. They're And they're holding something in their hand, one of them. So that really creeps me out even further. I turn my light off again because I can almost see them better in the moonlight. And now I realize when my light is off, they are running towards me. When I turn my headlamp on again, I see them stop and hold perfectly still. So because I'm still not really sure what I'm seeing, I turn my light off again to see them in the perspective of the moonlight again. And I can see them moving quickly towards me. You know, like, I don't know if they were like full sprint, but they were definitely walking really quickly, moving quickly, but maybe kind of quietly. And again, I can see that one of them in their hand has something like a baseball bat, but it looks more like a club. I mean, I don't know if I'm just imagining that because it was kind of scary, but that's what it looked like. Maybe a big water bottle. I don't know. And so I turn my light back on and this is all happening really quickly, you know, because I'm pretty freaked out. And I started backing up at this point towards the men's side of the restroom, which is a little not far, but maybe like 30 feet or so from the women. So I shine my light on and I just leave it on and I'm looking at them and I can see them holding still. I can see like where their eyes are, but I can't really see their eyes very well, just kind of where they would be on this like black mass. And the best I can describe their clothing was it looked like it was built to like move in. It looked like it was maybe like military kind of style, not necessarily military, actual military wear, but that style where it's like built to like be stealthy and like hold things and be able to move easily in where it like fits you well and isn't baggy at all. So that's the best way I can describe their clothing. And it was all black. And for some reason, when I shine my light on them, they just completely stopped moving. So that was how I created distance between us just left my light on, kept my back towards the men's restroom, backed up, called out my boyfriend's name a bunch of times. Meanwhile, from a campsite on the other side of the bathroom towards the women, a man came walking out. And I don't think he even saw these people because you know how a headlamp makes you only see what's in your direct line of vision. And he had a headlamp on, so I don't even think he saw what I was looking at. And he walked by me. Meanwhile, my boyfriend came out. I turned to him. I say, oh, my God, oh, my God, you know, you need to see this. And I was like, I'm like kind of freaked out. And, of course, by the time he listens to what I'm saying and we, like, look over there, these three people were gone. I would describe them as athletic build. I don't think they were, like, anything paranormal. I don't know. I just thought it was one of the strangest things I've ever experienced. 
I guess the best way I could explain it is they felt very ordinary. It's just their actions didn't make any sense. And I felt extremely threatened. And one of the weirdest things about this moment was there was something in my head that told me, just get to where you're with someone because they won't mess with you if you're with someone. And I don't know if that's just my own mind telling me that I'll be safe if I'm with my boyfriend, hoping. But that's really what my intuition was screaming at me. And I never saw them again. I walked to the bathroom plenty of times by myself, never saw this. I've never heard of anything like this. I looked it up. I know Utah's kind of a weird place, but again, three people dressed in all black, walking from a part of the campground where it's like the, the wilderness, the entrance to the wilderness. There's um, actually a trailhead right there. Please, someone help me. I have no idea what this was. Thanks, Derek. Thanks, Catherine. Ooh, what do you guys think? Is this another instance of our old friends, the mirrored men? Or simply three strangers, up to no good? If you would, please allow me to roll up my sleeves and dive into this. And let's start with the mirrored men themselves. If you're new to the program, that phenomenon might not be on your radar. But basically, the mirrored men are three identical entities that appear in front of a single person under odd and unsettling circumstances. These three men are always dressed identically. Sometimes robes, sometimes tweed suits, but always the same. Their movements are the same as well. If the front one takes a step, the other two make an identical step, which is why I call them the mirrored men. It seems their faces are altered. Facial features exaggerated, big eyes, wide mouths, that sort of thing. And where you see them is almost as important as what they look like. They've almost always been witnessed in rural or wilderness areas. Parks, the forest, a lonely stretch of suburban street, a field where a hunter has holed up for the day. And it seems the weather plays a factor as well. They've been often associated with foul weather events, a rainstorm, snow, fog, that sort of thing. But all of that pales in comparison once they lay eyes on you. Most reports claim, and ironically Catherine's leaves this out, that they have the ability to steal time. Some victims remember coming home eight hours after their initial encounter with these strange beings. So, what say you? Did Catherine's story check enough of those boxes to be considered a mirrored man encounter? Or am I simply connecting dots that aren't there? Let us know what you think. And in the meantime, thank you again, Catherine, for that hair-raising account. And that's going to bring us to tonight's closer. And coming to us from the state of Arkansas is Levi. Hey, Derek. This is Levi from... Arkansas. I'm calling from the Ozarks at the moment. I've got a story I wanted to share with you. I heard a couple of weeks back you had a uh, an episode where you had an encounter with a big cat. I think it was a black cat in specific. So I thought this story might uh, interest you. A couple of years ago, it's probably 10 years ago, I was living with my parents. I had just graduated college and needed to save some money as some of us millennials do and so i went out for a late drive just to kind of get out of the house and uh, get away from the folks for a little bit and i remember being scared of seeing shadows in my peripherals while i drive at night and this is in a small town in the uh, washita mountains about three hours south of where i am now it's a very curvy road it's a national forest it's the washita national forest uh, which has a, a pretty rich history, I found out. And out of my peripherals one night driving, I see this black mass. And it's so black that it makes me stop. So I slow down. And I'm trying to get a good look at it. So I roll my window down. And this is about 10.30, maybe 11 o'clock at night. And... I see two yellow eyes and they're not glowing, but they're a little reflective from maybe the side of my headlight. And all of a sudden I see a pink mouse in the, in the middle of this mass. And it doesn't, 
make a sound yet. So I thought maybe I was seeing something. Maybe it was just the shadow, the trees, and the headlights. But then it screamed at me. And if anyone has ever heard a big cat scream, it's utterly terrifying. It hits you in your chest. There's something like primal about it. And it sounds almost like a wailing woman of some kind, some creature even, of uh, some paranormal entity. But it scared the living crap out of me. And I put the pedal to the metal, as they say, and it flew out of there and immediately told my father when I got back to the house. And of course, he believed me. He has old stories like this, too. Uh, He's got uh, men in black stories and so on. And I'd heard of mountain lions in the Washita's or even in the Ozark before, but I never believed it. So I, I ended up looking it up, and I found out that uh, apparently there was a proposal to move endangered Florida panthers to uh, the Ozarks. I think this is around 2009 or 2010. So I was wondering if you knew any more about that or if your experience was somewhat similar to mine. Thanks. Love the show. Love the podcast. Keep it up. Thanks. Thank you, sir. Okay, so typically these ABC or alien big cat sightings are generic in nature. A one-off sighting that wasn't quote-unquote newsworthy enough to get coverage or to garner a fancy nickname. But, at least in my opinion, that's not the case with Levi's Critter. Nah, folks around the Ozarks already know of a beast that fits the description of what Levi saw that evening. And just maybe you've heard of it. The Ozark Howler, a large predatory cat that, according to eyewitness accounts, is more fearsome than anything known to man. The common description is that it's like a very, very large, stocky cat, usually described as having a tail, very shaggy fur, but this is not a lithe and lean animal. This is built powerfully. It's a real mix of known creatures into this unknown creature. While descriptions of the monster's size and shape remain constant, accounts about some of its other features vary widely. Some eyewitnesses have even reported seeing what appeared to be horns coming out of the creature's head. And like the screech owl from the beginning of this evening's adventure, the Ozark Howler, too, got its name from the unearthly sounds it made at night. Sounds like this, an alleged recording made of an Ozark Howler. So I'm going to play this. You'll hear local dogs barking in response. Okay. Now, both of those clips come courtesy of the television series In Search of Monsters. Now, when I say the Ozark Howler is not like your typical ABC, I am not exaggerating. In addition to the large frame, dark coat, and possible horns, the cat also seems to have some sort of history, something those other big cats don't. As this clip from the recent episode of Expedition X explains. 1810. As the story goes, one famous explorer had seen pretty much every native animal on the American frontier. But a run-in with the so-called howler made him flip his coonskin cap. It is said that none other than Daniel Boone wrote a letter to his sister-in-law about his encounter with a creature that was, quote, black and swarthy, with horns atop his scalp. I am told of the sound that it makes, a terrible howling in the middle of the night. Warnings of this for settlers should be passed along. Now, if real, that's a 200-year-old reference to that legend. And I know the age of a legend doesn't necessarily make it true, but it's certainly a good start. So look into the Ozark Howler a bit, Levi. You just might learn that you're more familiar than you think. Thanks again for calling in. And that's going to do it for this episode. Monsters Among Us is written and produced by me, Derek Hayes. Additional support is provided by Sarah Carter Hayes and Addie Lloyd. 
All media used in this production is done so under the protection of fair use. And if you have a free moment, please follow us on social media. We have accounts at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And while you're online, please leave us a rate and review wherever possible. And like us over on YouTube next time you're surfing around. And finally, tonight's score was provided by Iron Cthulhu Apocalypse, Co.ag Music, and Carl Casey at White Bat Audio. Thank you so much for listening. And until next week. Tonight's bonus entry comes to us from Seven in the state of Tennessee. Hey, Derek. My name is Seven, just like the number. I'm calling from Cookville, Tennessee, uh, which sits squarely between Nashville and Knoxville, for those not familiar. This story takes place around 1994-1995. I was reminded of it having just listened to the latest episode that would make that uh, season uh, 11, episode 19. A uh, gentleman called in about a missing time incident when he was a kid. And uh, I had something very, very similar happen to me. Basically, standard description, I guess, of the experience. Went to bed around 9, 9.30. And within moments of closing my eyes, next thing I knew, my parents were waking me up. At first, I thought they were trying to play some kind of joke on me. You know, because, like I said, I had just closed my eyes. And it went from, we'll say, 9.30, 10 o'clock to six o'clock the next morning. And as most kids are very difficult to wake up and rouse, like the last caller had mentioned, you know, I don't imagine that I had slept for the entire night. Maybe I did, but that's not what it felt like. It was literally close my eyes. Next thing I know, it's first thing in the morning and waking up. I don't remember observing anything out of the ordinary. House we lived in was fairly mundane. There was no real experiences there outside of the ordinary. I know you had mentioned mirrored men uh, for the last caller, and I don't recall looking out my window beforehand and witnessing anything. We lived out of town, but not in a unpopulated area, just very sparse neighbors here and there. And that was the first instance I have of missing time. That was the longest length of time. And I will note for that story, when... My parents woke me up. It was obviously the next morning. I remember feeling specifically like the left side of my nose down to my throat had had water poured down it. And in fact, I remember asking my parents if they had tried playing a prank on me in my sleep by pouring water in my face, because that's exactly what it felt like. Like you had dove into a pool without plugging your nose and had water shoot up just the one side. Whether or not that has anything to do with missing time, I'm not sure, but it seems like a strange coincidence regardless. Now, a few years after that, I did suffer from pretty severe insomnia. I don't know that anything really led up to those events. It was just, according to my doctors, it was just a teenage thing. And I had really, like I said, forgot all about until that last phone call. And I was also reminded of our last place my wife and I had rented was a house, which always put her at uh, unease. And I myself never thought anything was particularly spooky about the house. But I did have shorter instances of missing time there where I would just be going about doing whatever it was I was doing. And all of a sudden, everything would jump ahead 30, 40 minutes. And this is not just staring at your phone, losing track of time. This would be me reading something, looking at my clock, setting my book down, and then looking back at my clock. And all of a sudden, I've jumped forward that length of time. Anyways, that was the first one that came to memory. Just want to call and share. I've got a few more hidden in the back of my brain as soon as I can remember them. Thanks, and uh, keep up the great show, man. How ironic. 
Catherine's experience was lacking the missing time element, but had literally everything else. And Seven's exposure seemed to lack all but that one detail. Put them together and it's the complete Meardman package. But ignore all that. Seven mentioned a detail that fired my imagination right up. The mention of a sore or scratchy throat that he reported during some of the missing time episodes. I can't help but think that that's the result of gray aliens filling his throat with all sorts of different tubes and apparatus. I'm making invisible connections again, aren't I? Well, despite my opinions, we appreciate the entry, Seven, and we also thank you for sticking around to the end of this program. Now hop on over to patreon.com forward slash monsters among us podcast and get yourself signed up to the $5 level to get access to this next part. Because from here on out, we're going beyond. And on tonight's Beyond episode, we're going to the mailbag to answer some of your Patreon submitted questions. And wouldn't you know, I have a couple great calls lined up to share with you as well. Beginning with Christie's call from the state of Illinois. On a summer night, Douglas Wagg Jr. lay motionless across a strip of railroad tracks before being struck by an oncoming train. I'm investigative journalist Delia D'Ambra, and my investigation into exactly how Doug died took me into the depths of a bizarre mystery. It was really hard to understand what was fact and what wasn't. A mystery that has led me from one suspicious death to another. Listen to CounterClock now, wherever you listen to podcasts.